Welcome. You are listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's better to hear it live, this is a place to catch the latest sermon, conversation, and select program. If you like what you're hearing or want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get a notification for our next episode. Enjoy and see you in shul. May we all be sealed in the book of life. On a summer morning six years ago, I walked into a hospital room, not knowing I would come as close to feeling God's presence as I ever have. I was in rabbinical school at the time, about to begin my final year, and I was spending the summer working as a chaplain for hospice. I was sent all around the city, to hospital rooms, to nursing homes, to people's bedrooms and couches, to be with people at the end of life, and to be with their loved ones during the worst days of their lives. It was a summer full of sacred moments, moments of intimate proximity to the delicate line between life and death. But this one morning was particularly sacred. A Catholic family I had just met was gathered to say goodbye to their matriarch, and I was there to help them do it. Their loved one would be extubated. The machines that had been keeping her alive would cease to do so. She was in her 90s, and the hospital room was packed with her three children, their spouses, and several grandchildren. They were a religious family, and while they had to look elsewhere for last rites and Catholic liturgy, we all recognized that the transition from life to death taps into the same holiness in all of us. One by one, each family member approached her bed. They whispered to her, they cried, they held her hand, they kissed her forehead. When each person had had their turn, the family held each other, nodded to the nurse, stood in silence for a minute, and witnessed their mother and grandmother take her final breath. Though I had spent time with a lot of people in their final days and even hours, it was the first time I had been present at the final moment itself. What made it particularly memorable for me was the feeling the closure that each family member experienced at this woman's bedside. They expressed their love for her. They thanked her for what she taught them. They promised they would continue to live with her values in mind. They apologized for any times they had hurt her, and they forgave her for anything she may have done to them. The scene made me think of the biblical Jacob on his deathbed. The Talmud teaches that Jacob was the first person to get sick prior to death and that he had actually prayed for it. He wanted to have the time to mark the transition, say goodbye, and leave each child with a blessing. His illness was the answer to his prayers, the warning time before he left this world. The difference between the Jacob story and what I witnessed in the hospital room 
is that in our biblical text, we only see what Jacob says to his children, not what they say back to him, if anything. In the hospital room that morning, children and grandchildren had the opportunity to say goodbye, but not to hear from the dying woman herself. So many end-of-life interactions are like that. We wait until the last minute to say the things we wish we had said years prior. And by the time we say them, the conversation cannot be as full as we would like. And sometimes we don't have the warning we need to say goodbye at all. Often we don't have the time, the composure, or the presence of mind we wish we could have in someone's final moments. And we can't blame ourselves for that. But before we get close to the end, we must ask ourselves, why do we wait? Why do we wait until our very last chance to tell someone how much they matter to us? Scientific studies have shown that people can and often do postpone their own deaths until significant events like attending a wedding, holding a new grandchild, or finding closure in a relationship. A study from the University of California in San Diego showed that there is a significant statistical dip in deaths just before major holidays, followed by a rise in deaths after those holidays, only for the ethnic groups that celebrate those holidays. People postpone their deaths in order to have one final occasion with their family and friends and to find completeness in those relationships. What a statement about the human condition and the importance of sharing with our loved ones what they mean to us. I am not the first to suggest that people not wait to have important conversations. Ira Biak, a physician and author who has worked extensively in the field of palliative care, makes the same case in his book, The Four Things That Matter Most. Dr. Biak discusses finding completeness in relationships and notes that we sometimes use the word complete to mean finished, but it doesn't have to mean that. A relationship can be complete, but not over, or over, but not complete. Complete just means that it is whole, reconciled, and at peace. In Hebrew too, the word for whole, shalem, and the word for peace, shalom, come from the same root. Completeness is peace. Dr. Byak writes, people say they feel complete when if they were to die tomorrow, they'd have no regrets. They would feel they had left nothing undone or unsaid. But a relationship feels incomplete if someone dies without each party being able to explicitly express affection or acknowledge past tensions. To help people make sure they've left nothing unsaid, Dr. Byak provides us with a list of four things we should make sure to say before someone dies. The four things that matter most.
First, please forgive me. Dr. Biak begins with asking for forgiveness, the core of this high holiday season, realizing our mistakes from the past year and making amends. We are supposed to engage in cheshbon hanefesh, taking an accounting of our soul in order to do better in the coming year. Dr. Biak's concept of acknowledging and apologizing for the ways we've hurt one another before death is such a Jewish concept that we have a ritual for it. It's called the deathbed vidui, the confessional prayer. And its goal is to reconcile a person with God. Dr. Biak's addition is that we should not only reconcile with God, but with one another. You may recognize the name of that prayer, Vidui, because there is a second Vidui as well, the one we recite on the High Holidays, Ashamnu, Bagadnu, Gazalnu, while beating our chests in confession of our communal wrongdoings. We apologize to God for the ways we have missed the mark. So too, we should apologize to one another. And unlike the High Holiday Vidui, liturgy that is written in the plural to account for the whole community's sins, our asking for forgiveness should be specific and personal, an honest acknowledgement of the ways we have hurt someone. A conversation of apology is incomplete without forgiveness. And Dr. Bjock's second statement expresses just that. It is, I forgive you. We like to believe, of course, that God forgives us. On the high holidays and on other festivals throughout the year, we read the 13 attributes of God. Adonai, Adonai, El Rachum Vichanun. And one of the attributes is, no se avon vafesha vichata'a, meaning forgiver of iniquity, transgression, and sin. Just as God forgives us, so too we should be willing to forgive others. The third statement is thank you. Gratitude is one of the most Jewish concepts there is. Beginning the moment we wake up each morning and recite Moda'ani, thanking God for restoring our soul to our body after a night of sleep. We all want to feel that our lives are meaningful, that our values, traditions, and skills are being passed down lidor vador from generation to generation. So we thank the person for what they taught us. The fourth and final statement is, I love you. The ultimate expression of the importance of a relationship. In our relationship with God, we express our love through the Shema. God is our God. God is one. We should strive to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our might. So too should we express our love to one another. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. Four simple statements, just 11 words long. And given Dr. Byak's Jewish background, 
It is not surprising that these four statements are reflected in our liturgy, our ideal relationship with God, and our high holiday themes. It is human nature to long for closeness and emotional healing. The problem is that often by the time we realize we should have had these conversations about the four things, or even just one of the four things, it is too late. When I reflect back on the hospital room I found myself in with a family losing their matriarch, I am acutely aware that the moment each family member had with their loved one would make a difference in their grief following her death. Knowing that they had the opportunity to share the most important things with her would provide them comfort. Unfortunately, there are so many stories where we do not have these chances. We cannot always prepare as neatly as this family could. Imminent death gives us motivation to get to a place of completeness without delay. But these do not have to be deathbed conversations. They should not be left for deathbed conversations, at least not the first time the most important things are said. We should always seek wholeness in our relationships because we never know when the end of life is coming. Today is Yom Kippur, the one day a year when we act out our own death, abstaining from food, drink, and the pleasures of life, wearing white like a burial shroud, reciting vidui to atone for sins we committed knowingly or unknowingly, just like we do on the deathbed. We recite Unatanatokef, asking ourselves who by fire and who by water who will live to see the end of this year and who will not? We recite Kol Nidre to annul any vows we may make to God from this Yom Kippur to next Yom Kippur, just in case we meet our end before having a chance to fulfill a vow we make. The message of the High Holiday Liturgy is that we cannot risk waiting until the moment before death to reconcile with God, because sometimes we have no warning. So we reconcile today. Yom Kippur is a wake-up call to our mortality. We never know which breath will be our last. So we must take advantage of each and every moment we are gifted on this earth. And we never know which word we say to our spouse, our parent, our child, our friend, our sibling will be our last. So we must make sure that the words we say count. Just as Yom Kippur is meant to stir us out of our slumber, reminding us not to wait until we're on our deathbed to get our relationship with God in order, we are also reminded not to wait to get our human relationships in order either. Whether it's someone you haven't said I love you to in too long, 
someone you need to apologize to, someone who hopes you will forgive them, someone who doesn't know how much they mean to you, someone who doesn't know how much they've taught you, or just someone you haven't had a real conversation with in too long, life is too short to wait. What makes life meaningful is that it is not endless. It is limited, but its length matters much less than its depth. The four things, please forgive me, I forgive you, thank you, and I love you, are one person's idea of how to make the most of our time. There are many more things we could add for any given relationship. I could imagine wanting to share with someone how important they have been in my life, how I plan to use what they've taught me going forward, or what my favorite things about them are. The four things that matter most give us a structure. It is up to us to fill in the rest. The Talmud relates a story about a sage named Rabbi Eliezer, who taught his students that they should repent for any sins they've committed one day before the end of their lives. The students, of course, asked him, Rabbi, how could we possibly know on which day we will die? Rabbi Eliezer responded, you should repent today in case you die tomorrow. You should repent tomorrow in case you die the next day, and so on. By following this advice, you will spend your entire life in a state of repentance. Indeed, we should spend some time each day of our lives reflecting, ensuring that our relationships are complete, not over, but complete, ensuring that we have shared the things that matter most with the people who matter most. Gemara Chatimatova, may we all be sealed in the Book of Life. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. See you in Shul. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.